This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 76 of the DTV Digest. I'm your host Mike Parkin and joining me as usual in the cockpit, it's my co-pilot, it's Richard Halls. Hello everybody. Now Richard, um, I know we're going to talk about this later, um, but (laughs) the the number of of short films that you've been watching this week is is quite phenomenal Um, and and religious films as well. Yeah, I do try and pack them in, you know, as much as possible. It's very easy with the short ones because they're so short, generally. Yeah, yeah. until you pack them all together and you end up with 150 minutes. <laughs> so, yeah, as um, as we're kind of alluding to, this is one of our short film specials. Um, we've got te- – no, we've got nine. Um, no, we haven't. We've got eight. I can't even count. One, two, three. We've got eight uh, short films that we're going to be discussing later on. Um, also, we have the um, coming soon section. We've got washing up section as well. Um, but before we get into all of that, as usual, news and reviews of all the films that don't make it to the cinema come straight to DVD, Blu-ray and streaming media. And we're going straight into a very truncated DTV chart. Yes, it's DTV chart time. Not a lot to talk about, and uh, nothing's really changed in the last uh, couple of weeks since uh, since we uh, last updated you. Uh, last week, there were only two films out of the whole top 100 uh, videos that were DTV releases, and it's exactly the same situation this week. So, uh, at number two uh, in 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 the uh, in the chart is Hurricane. Uh, been hanging around for quite a few weeks. Uh, a former number one. Yes, I think we've talked this film to death, so let's, let's move have straight it. into number one. Well, for anyone who hasn't uh, heard about it, it's a, it's a, a World War II uh, drama about uh, Polish pilots in uh, in uh, their, their contribution to the Battle of Britain and such, uh, and stars, amongst other people, uh, Mel Gibson's son, who uh, we will also mention a little bit later in the show. Hmm. Uh, moving on to the number one spot, it's Christmas. It's, you know, an animated Christmas film. It's The Littlest Reindeer. Indeed. Um, so I can barely make out the names involved in this. John, I think it's please, from, think it's from Canada. It? The title's yeah. been slightly adjusted. I think it, the, the original title. It was called title. Eric. Yeah. No, Elliot. Yeah. Elliot the Elliot. Littlest Reindeer, yeah. And it's got a Martin Short a Martin Short, and John Cleese and a whole bunch of other people. Hmm. Um, obviously not big enough to be deemed suitable for a cinematic release, but, you know, doing all right uh, for itself. Absolutely. So, you know, on, on the on the last episode when we did the DTV chart, you you did predict this. You, you, you predicted the fact that, you know, how many um, uh, how, how many DTV movies there would be in the chart, because this time of year, you know, the chart is dominated by your cinema films going to DVD, um, DVD box sets, TV series, re-releases. Um, yeah, it's just chock-a-block. You know, stocking fillers, basically, isn't it? Yeah, it's, and it's, uh, uh, what was it? The uh, stand-up comedy ones there. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. The traditional stand-up comedy ones. Now, well. last year, we had uh, the All I Want for Christmas, a Mariah Carey animated mm. film. That was the one that was dominating uh, this time last year. Yeah, so I think and, this is uh, a step a step up, you know, the... Um, 
I started to watch that funnily, completely coincidentally. I was having a look at it uh, earlier today. I watched about 20 minutes of it. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's okay. It's very, very kind of what you would expect. It's, sure. it's really weird because it's got this little girl and uh, she's having like a voiceover and she's, she's just using all these terms, you know, uh, expressions and that that just sort of don't fit. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I don't know. It's like, you know, it's sort of urban slang and stuff. It's just all completely strange. Um, but that's only in the voiceover, not in the uh, thing. That, the more I care in voiceover, that is. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, good quality. And this little this reindeer thing looks, you know, like it's probably completely reasonable. I'd be quite happy to sit down and watch it at some point. But, yeah, this yeah basically yeah. the problem we've got is nothing's coming out. Uh, this, this video chart is based on uh, DVDs and Blu-rays, uh, which, you know, you've got barely anything coming out at the moment, uh, as we'll attest to later. Yeah. Uh, I think last week or the year, week before, there was like one release, like a documentary uh, and something else. And this week there, there's one there's one release, but it's really not. Uh, it's, it's very art house. So not really worth it. You know, it's not really one for us, uh, to no. be honest. But the... Uh, yeah, so I, I, I really can't see any. Either we're going to have nothing in the chart uh, in the next uh, few weeks or the Littlest Reindeer is just going to be sticking in there. Sure, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and then we just regroup for the new year, basically, yeah. as tends to happen. January tends to be quite a boon for, for all the, the DTV market. Well, we had uh, Beyond Skyline uh, at the right. last year, which was yeah. a massive, very strong uh, uh, had a very strong showing and Jeepers Creepers 3 as well. That's right, yeah. Oh, wow, you're taking me back. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, so that is the DTV chart for this week. It's time for the coming soon section, and this week we have six trailers to take a look at. Now, this very first one um, I'm very interested in. It's called Blood Hunters Dash Rise of the Hybrids. It's from the Philippines and directed by Vincent Soberano. Um, and a, it, it, it's based on a short. Uh, now, Rich, was this shown at this year's um, Fighting Spirit Festival? Can you remember? Well, this is what I was trying to work out because I, I haven't I haven't researched it, but it, I, I did think the title sounds the same and it sort of sounds like it, a similar concept. Yeah, it definitely the, is. It definitely is, but I just couldn't remember if it was this year or last year. Uh, and the difference is whether or not you've, you you saw the short, um, yeah. if it was this year or not. Um, but yes, this this is based on um, the short that was shown at um, Fighting Spirit Festival earlier this year, uh, well, back in September. Um, so it's, it's one of those sort of nice sort of little success stories of the whole sort of short film thing um you know where they've been able to develop this short and and to be honest we we weren't that impressed with the short were we it was it was um you know it was, it was very sort of higgledy-piggledy in in what it was trying to do it was, it was a bit sort of unclear but obviously they did enough to sell it to somebody and go we can turn this into a feature yeah uh, i mean the, the, this uh, what made me think I was it's not like an extension of the short it's it does look completely different so the the short had you know I thought it was okay but we both I mean it was about 20 minutes long we both felt it had it too uh, long, quite a number of issues and sort of just things weren't quite working we, we didn't even mention it in our um fighting spirit right. summary it, it didn't, didn't, make the round up, yeah. didn't make the cut uh but the yeah so the yeah, this one is so the original short was made in 2016. Hmm. Uh, Squad of ruthless demon hunters in the Philippines. Yeah, that does because uh, it's the Aswang, isn't it? The Aswang. Yeah. That's or, right. uh, and 
and this and this film i think was probably made not long after because i believe from what uh i think i've seen is that the film was actually shot uh, a couple of years ago mm. and it's just sort right. of taken a long time to get done and also the director has done the tri trigonal which, oh. we, which we talked yeah. about uh, a few weeks ago so it's yeah. the same director he's also done another short called we are war uh, so he's, you know, he's been busy. Definitely. Uh, and there's something else called Circle of Bones that he's done. But the Trigonal was the one that sort of really caught uh, the interest of the sort of tournament. Or my ire, basically. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite keen to see it. Yeah, I mean, it showcases a lot of action in this. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of martial arts and things going on, a bit of demon hunting thrown in. Um, you know, it's it's much bigger. The production values are much better than what the short yeah, was. Um, so, so yeah, good on them, basically. Apparently yeah. it's only 70 minutes long still. So, so Maybe they've learned but, a little something. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I like the look of it. I do. I think it's got a good, um, it's got a good polish to it. And the, the fight scenes do look really good. Absolutely. Okay, moving on to Dark Soul. Now, even though I've seen the trailer earlier today, I cannot remember what on earth this was. Please remind me. Uh, I'll be honest, I've actually completely watched the trailer. <laughs> I, right. I found it because I was looking at another one. And oh, this is, uh, oh, another now, I, now I remember. Yes, so, so this has a Western, so Westerner who... His body is in. Oh, start again. Okay, so so this has a west. Yeah. God damn it. Okay, yes. Yeah, so um, this one has a white guy whose body is um, taken over or possessed by the spirit of um, a dead Asian guy. Uh, suddenly, he finds he can do kung fu. He's seeing, um, you know, memories that he never had, uh, places he's never been, people he's never met, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so it's a tried and tested kind of idea, but I like the look of it. I must admit. Mm-hmm. Now that I remember what it is, that is, <laughs> I struggled to remember what it was. But yeah, no, I, th I thought this was actually okay to look at. Yeah, I'm quite. I'm always curious to see uh, films like this. Been some controversies lately, but anything anything that Bay Logan's been involved with is usually quite interesting. Sure, that's right. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Vixen. Um, this um, this popped up in my Facebook feed recently because um, a couple of people I, I are friends with on, on there um, were involved in the making of it. Um, so this is like a female version of Die Hard. It's it's pretty yeah, transparent. Yeah. It's very transparent about what it is. It knows what it is. I mean, the fact that she dives into the you know the air duct um, pretty much spells it out. You know, um, but there's a couple of things I do like about it. Obviously. Um, uh, Brian Larkin turns up in the trailer, which yeah. I thought was really cool. Um, and, you know, the fact that she's quite, you know, at least at certain parts of the trailer, she comes across as quite vulnerable. You know, um, she's very sort of quite short compared to some of the fighters and things. But, you know, other times she's really, really kick-ass. And just that stunt of actually diving into the air duct, I thought that was actually really cool, you know. Um I can imagine so many people not getting that lined up right and just smashing into the side of the wall or something. You know, it looks looks like it could have been really, really painful. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see this. Yeah, and there was some other uh, diehard references. I think there's 
I think there's another one at the end, towards the end of the trailer. I can't remember exactly what it is, but yeah, it's completely upfront about what it's doing. It's trying to be, you know, it's like the raid was always, you know, the raid was a bit diehard influenced, and this is kind of doing the raid and diehard, but you know, even more sort of uh, transparent, more or even more explicitly of uh, sort of paying homage. So, as with um, as we say, this was the one we found, you came across first, uh, and. So I was looking it up and I saw that it was written by Bay Logan and that he'd also written this other one, Dark Soul. So they're both coming. They're both they both had their trailers released around the same time. And I guess they'll they'll probably emerge sometime next year. Although, yeah. as we've, we've seen with some of Bay Logan's previous projects, some of them take a very, very long time to actually uh, arrive Indeed. if they ever arrive, if they ever arrive at all. Yeah. So um, just a shout out to Max Raposi, um, who, who sort of clued me into this film. Uh, he, he has a dual role in this as well. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see him on screen for the first time as well. Mm. Okay, moving on to a film I'm really interested in. Uh, this is called All the Devil's Men, um, co-starring William Fickner. It's a sort of special forces action movie set in London. Um, where a rogue CIA agent is set up shop with his own team and, you know, some poor muggins is having to go in and uh, try and bring him down or bring him back or whatever. Uh, I think this looks very good. Um, you know, the presence of William Fickner just increases the production value just, just by his mere presence. Um, yeah, I, I'm really interested in seeing this one. So no surprise for me to find out that this is backed by the same people who backed Stratton. I was about to say that as well. Yeah, I mean, there were definitely um, overtones of Stratton here. You know that, you know, um, Lund- you know that sort of England set sort of, sort of action movie looks yeah. pretty cool. Uh, but we got Milo Gibson in the lead. He looks pretty good. And uh, I'm really, I'm really keen because this is apparently this might even be out uh, by the time this shows. Uh, 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 being by the time you guys are hearing this show, you might, yeah. you might be able to find it because it, but the, the release date is very soon coming out on VOD. So the um, it's this makes me really want to watch. Uh, uh, I want to see this, but I also want to watch the director's previous film, which was The Veteran. I love that film. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely see that. It's um, the T- Toby Kebbell. Um, yeah, it, that's really good. Uh, I think that could be. I think that could be a good double bill. It might be a good double bill. Yeah. 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 Now, now you mentioned the fact that it was direct. You know, that it was the same director as. That, Pope, that, that, that's, that's really sort of lifted my um, expectations of this. Well, let's hope so, he doesn't disappoint us. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, number five is the Marine Six Close Quarters. Now, I'm a big fan of the Marine series. In fact, I think I think the John Cena one is the weakest link of of the whole lot. Um, I disagree because I love the I love the first one. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was great. I, fun. I I think John Cena has taken a long time to sort of feel comfortable in front of the camera. Um, which is kind of weird considering he's from WWE, you know, he spends every week in front of the camera, but obviously um, different sort of thing. Um, but yeah, no, I liked, I liked the Miz. I must admit, I do like the Miz in the role. Um, the budget for these has sort of gone down and down, fortunately. 
but you know um, they're throwing in Shawn Michaels into the mix this time yep. round as well, um, who hasn't been, you know, he hasn't done a lot in front of the camera. Um, no. So I don't know how he's going to fare. But yeah, I'm definitely going to see this. It's directed by James Nunn again, who's done the last two, I think, or two or three of these. Um, so obviously, you know, WWE studios are happy with his work. So yeah, good on him. And like the uh, All the Devil's Men, it's uh, following another trend of being shot here in London. Is it? Yeah, as far as I know, yeah. I'm pretty sure they oh, shot yeah. it in London. Awesome. So, so there's a few faces are, uh, in the cast, that are, are, you know, in sort of the quick mm. shot. This trade is only like 30 seconds. Uh, WWE, we've probably talked about this before, WWE have this habit of releasing trailers that are in, like incredibly short, <laughs> that mm. just don't really give you much information at all, which is probably, the good, which is probably a good approach to do, really. Uh, yeah, I mean, basically they say, yeah, this wrestler's in it, and this wrestler's in it, and then that's basically it. Because um, the villain you... of the movie is a female, uh, one of the female yeah, wrestlers. That's right, yeah. As a, as a tangent, have you seen the trailer for um, uh, Fighting With My Family? No. Which is Stephen Merchant's film about the WWE wrestler Paige. All right. Uh, which, is back, which has been produced by uh, Dwayne Johnson. That looks, oh, you know, okay. that's worth a look. I think that's going to be quite a big, big release. Mm. Worth checking out. You guys will definitely be talking out about it on the on on the smoking lamb. I think. I'm sure. Yeah, because uh, Josh is a big fan of uh, WWE as well. Yeah. Okay, and that is the coming soon section for this week. Okay, it's time for the review section, and as we mentioned earlier, uh, it's our shorts special. Number four, I believe. Um, we've done a few of these. Um, so yeah, this week we, not, we haven't done one since uh, since July. So it's like half a year's gone by. To July, yeah, and which which kind of sort of fits in with, with one of them later on, which we'll mention. Um, so we've got eight little uh, little films to talk about, and we're going to dive straight in with a film called The Dollmaker. In this one, a um, grieving couple who've uh, recently lost their their young son, um, turn to a mystical doll maker to help appease the, you know, the angst and the yearning they have. So he devises a special doll for them, um, which if you touch it inside the house, um, it basically comes to life in your eyes. Um, but, you know, like with gremlins, there's some stern warnings which come with it. Uh, and of course, you know, they get broken and have se- severe consequences. Um, I absolutely love this. Uh, it was, you know, it's short and sweet or short and bittersweet, I should say. Mm. And it has just an amazing about turn. It really does. Um, you know, something happens in this film and it, it makes the, the way it's handled just makes you go, oh, fuck. You know, it's, it's, it's very good. Rich, what do you think of it? Absolutely. It's fantastic storytelling. I've watched it three times now. It's, it's only 10 minutes. It's very Twilight Zone kind of thing uh, from director uh, Al Lauer. Uh, but most notably, it's uh, written by Matthias Caruso, who did uh, Mayhem. So this is uh, All right. you know, it's a very good screenwriter uh, and, you know, you know, uh, uh, expecting a lot more good stuff to come from him. This was actually released originally from what I discovered because this I, this turned up on Amazon, uh, a Prime Video recently, but it was uh, I found on Vimeo last year. It might have been like a uh, secure link that was then mm. released or something. But 
this is, for all intents and purposes, a new, a fairly newly released uh, film. It's got a fantastic eye-catching poster, uh, and yeah, the doll is sort of quite simple, creepy. The main asset for for the film, apart from you know the fact that you know it's well written and the performances are excellent uniformly, uh, and and it's you know the way the story moves forward and shifts and uh, and stuff within 10 minutes is, is fantastic but it's the doll the doll maker himself who's just this really yeah. devilish character and he's re- he's he's really mean because he's like calling the, the he's like calling the uh, the child a brat every a five, brat, yeah. five second and mm. and he's got this scar on his face and his delivery of lines is excellent nobody ever asked for their money back you know kind of mm. stuff that he keeps like, sort of saying uh, and why to convince them? It was like, yeah, fantastic. Really, uh, really, I can't recommend this film enough. Yeah, I should say as well. Um, of the eight films here, um, several of them are free to watch, um, and we will put links for all of those um, in the footnotes. But one of them is one ninety nine from uh, Amazon Prime, and we will get onto it. I won't say whether or not at the moment. I think it's worth your one ninety nine. You'll have to stay tuned and find out. Um, okay, so nepotism alert, guys. A um, little bit of um, sort of transparency. The next one, Winter Hill, is uh, written by Tom Jolliffe, our erstwhile um, collaborator, who who ditched us to, for the, um, the the shiny lights of. Um, well, screenwriting basically um so, so this is called winter hill it's a drama um it's about a middle-aged well not even middle-aged guy 30 something guy who um gets an invite to a party or like a school reunion party and he isn't sure if he's going to go until he sees that a certain lady who he um had a fling with or you know was infatuated with is going to be there and they sort of hook up um kind of pick up where pick up where they left off uh until she drops the bombshell that actually you know she's planning to sort of move away and so the big question is whether or not he's brave enough to take the plunge with her or if he's going to sort of stick to his ways um so so this is um you know it's a very well shot film it's not something which particularly floated my boat no one dies in it no one gets shot or killed or anything (laughs) it's um it's a drama it's a drama, yeah, yeah. and it's you know, and it's well told and it's well shot. Uh, Rich, over to you. Yeah, I loved it. I thought the I thought it was very well uh, observed. It's a really there's a lot of economy in in the opening scenes. It's it's mm. mostly dialogue free and it's all kind of stuff. You, you but you know from the performer and sort of what they're setting up is uh, so he he's uh, there's a guy sitting around. He gets an invite via Facebook to go to a school reunion. He's looking through the people. Oh, he, he sees someone he recognises or he's looking for them uh this old flame of his and he just know what he's thinking uh mm. and it's all that i think i think the script that you know tom did is really good it's brought to life fantastically by the by the actors uh, they, they're very natural uh there's a there's one or two moments where i, I just sort of felt didn't quite work but you know there was like they were you know just a couple of tiny moments i thought the most of it was was excellent is it is the the main character he's just got this longing you know that's affected his whole life it seems uh mm. and sort of uh and you don't really you don't know what's happened in their relationship you still you, you know it's all a bit mysterious uh until it sort of uh plays out towards the end as you might expect and then you 
I found myself really rooting for him, and I, I would definitely watch this again. Uh, I've, I've, um, yeah, the form. And you said about how the film looked. I did think it was shot really, really nicely. The locations were beautiful. Uh, you know, rural uh, English countryside. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I think it was very, very polished. Really good work, and I can't wait to see more from uh, more of Tom's stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's he's working on two at the moment, and he has promised us a look at those um, in the near future. So um, when, we, when we get next to the um, when we get round to the next uh, short film special that we do, then I'm sure we'll uh, be featuring more of his work. Okay, um, moving on to the getaway. Um, this is a nice nine little nine minutes short. Um, Directed by Leif Johnson, a friend of the show, and Le- stars Lisa um, Ronahan. And um, this is just a sort of nice, very economical sort of comedy um, featuring just three characters, um, a brother and sister, who are, you know, they're, they're sort of, they come from a rich family and are sort of, um, I don't know what's the word, acting out against their sort of parents by doing a bank robbery. Um, and they've hired this Scottish woman um, to help them. And the sort of, a lot of the humour comes from the sort of, um, their sort of, sort of bitchy sibling rivalry, plus the fact that neither of them can actually understand the word that the Scottish lady's saying. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I really like this. This this is just very silly, um, you know, very economical in, in its sort of... Um, sort of telling this story, uh, it's it's kind of like um, you know, four weddings meets Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> yeah, I'm on I'm on the flip side. I didn't really get on with it at all. Uh, the uh, the the humor, you know, comedy is a funny thing. You know, it's you got to be in tune with what you you know the type of with the audience, and you know, you clearly connected with that, and and I didn't. The, the sort of the the script for me just didn't work it was exaggerated and that's fine you know it's comedy and that but the 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 script and the performances i just wasn't really connecting with them i thought there there were a couple of nice bits with the with the scottish girl character you know that they sub she's subtitled uh for one thing and you think hang on a minute and then you're like oh okay yeah i get i get the joke now and then um there's a there's a flashback thing where looks she's thinking what happens you know what happened to her parents whatever (laughs) and then there's like this really violent very quick not 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 vision, not graphic or anything at all, mm. but it's like really what what it implies is <laughs> uh, that that was my favourite shot of the film that did make me laugh. But yeah. the um, the rest of it, I was just um, the um, I just didn't really connect with the concept uh, too much, and yeah, it was mainly the, sort of the scripts and the performances I just wasn't with, and the ADR dialogue uh, for the for a good chunk of it, it just felt like mm. you know it was clearly recorded in a in a studio after the fact and it didn't just didn't gel. Uh, I didn't so, notice that yeah. at all actually. Just, well, it might just be me, yeah. but that's how, that's how it sounded to me when I was wearing my headphones. So the, um, yeah. So, I mean, I loved, uh, Kowloon killers. Was it? Yeah. That you did before. That was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a completely different kettle of fish. This mm. is, uh, something that's been put together on a much, you know, much smaller scale much lower budget you know single location a bunch of people just pushing a car along uh, and you know bantering basically mm. and that's it um so yeah sorry Leif. Uh, uh, I, 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 I <laughs> <laughs> can't please everyone all the time 
Okay, um, so the next one, the 716th, uh, this is the one I mentioned earlier, which is uh, available on Amazon Prime um, for the sum of £1.99. Is it if worth you, it? If you don't have Prime Video. If you don't have Prime Video already, okay. Um, is it worth it? I think it actually is. So this is set in a sort of future interstellar war. Um, we've got boots on the ground in um, being held under siege by aliens, whereas on this sort of spaceship above, there are two um, medics having a little banter. And when they realize that their commanding officer is about to abandon the people left on the planet, one of them decides to sort of go out there and um, sort of do an unorthodox rescue mission in a sort of rickety old shuttlecraft. So the production values for this are very good. Um, some some nice sort of CGI stuff. But what I was impressed with is, is kind of like the lighting in the ship, you know, um, when, when it's just the two guys sort of bantering, the way that's lit was just really good. You know, that was sort of like proper feature quality um sort of, sort of scene scenery basically yeah it was it's very uh, you called it the 716 i think it's supposed yeah. to be the 716th uh, it's, it's like an, a division course or medical you division see, or something you see yeah you see this is the thing i this i have the real pet peeve about um the news right because i actually work with the military and i've been through this with with uh, there's a um a particular unit is a 42nd commander unit and every time we mention it somebody would pipe up saying no it's not 42nd it is 4-2 it's 4-2 commander unit not for you know 42nd or whatever and you know every time i hear something on the news it's like oh you're 40th commander unit it's like no it's 4-0 commander unit they ha they say it that way particularly so there's no errors over over the intercom you know uh -huh. Um, so, so I'm always screaming at the TV. It's four two, not bloody forty two. Anyway, um, so so, yeah. so it's supposed to be seven one six in your view, possibly. Yeah, but, but they've called it. But the I'm sure but, um, yeah. Hollywood sort of get Hollywood getting it wrong uh, would usually say mm. oh, maybe it's an, you know that might be an American thing, you know. But um, but yeah, over the sort of the channel or the intercom or something, it would be seven one six. Anyway. I think anyway, we're getting away from the point. Um, did <laughs> yeah, you I, lo I loved it. I loved this. Um, I thought it was very, very, uh, uh, very Steven Spielberg, George Lucas. Hmm. I mean, the Star Wars influence is apparent, you know, with the characters and the and the banter, and a bit like um, some of the, uh, well, a lot of other stuff you've seen, sort of with Harrison Ford and that, you know, that sort of uh, the banter and you know, joking and high adventure. Uh, the Marvel movies as well, you know, more recently. This is definitely fits into those. The, the the score as well, to me, felt very John Williams. Yeah, I thought it's uh, there's a bit takes place on the planet. There's a bit, uh, most of it, uh, well, not most of it, but half takes place on the planet. Uh, half takes place on, uh, and well, a third on the planet, a third on the ship, yeah. and a, a third on the um, space station yeah. bit, which <laughs> probably maybe even less. Yeah. And uh, just those three locations. The guy who made it, I think, uh, I can't remember what his name is, but the guy in the lead is also the writer, director, and editor, I think, of it. So it's like his project. He was really good. He's, he's definitely got, the, you know, he's, he's clearly a very good director, clearly a very good 
you know, on-screen presence as well. Uh, very yeah. charismatic. Uh, I like the world building that they do within the 14-minute running time and the sort of setting up for the mm. sequel and the fact that uh, at the ending we get a promise that an- another adventure will mm. be will be coming uh, is very welcome. There are some nice little moments, like um, as you say, what the world building in it um, when sort of the young guy sort of dies. And she, yeah. you know, and she realizes, and she says a little prayer for him. You know, I, I thought, yeah, that's, that's a neat little moment because he's sort of seeing part of their culture. You know, um, well, they're speaking in English, and then all of a sudden, then she speaks it in a foreign, yeah. uh, you know, a, a made-up foreign language or whatever. She's, yeah. and then there's some sort of, we get a visual effect of, of like that shows us that she's not human hmm. or, or she's superhuman or whatever. But that's never really explained what what's going on with her. Uh, they're just basically yeah. in the situation where they're on the ground. They're going to be abandoned because of a cock up on the on the station. Well, they're, by, they're, by, they're, by they're, a sort of cowardly um, sort of commanding officer, basically. Yeah, that's it. I think. Yeah, yeah. and they're basically going to be left behind. And, and the the medic guy goes, "Well, I can't let this happen." Oh <laughs> well, you know, I guess I'm I guess I'm losing my job today. Kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was, it was really good, and I've watched it twice now. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I I thought it was excellent work. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, again, um, sort of e- economical storytelling, you know, it sets, sets up this nice sort of cliffhanger when, you know, he, um, he turns, because uh, he's trying to find out who she is at the end, and mm. it's just left hanging, and he's like, oh, you're her, sort of thing, you know, <laughs> and, and obviously, the you know, the aliens kind of know something as well so so, so not, it was very economical in the way it's sort of you know delivered information really, it's really all very it. star wars very yeah. star wars, really. and and you know it also fits in some um you know uh, behind the scenes sort of bloopers and things um during the credits as well it's yeah. it's very very polished and um yeah definitely want to see more of the 716 <laughs> okay the next two i think we have to sort of take as a pair we so talk, uh, we're talking the masks. The masks. Yeah. So we're kicking off with the rise of the mask. This is a sort of seven-minute short. Um, so the mask. Let's talk about the mask before we get into these. Um, everyone remembers the Jim Carrey movie and the really really bad sequel, which was the Son of the Mask. Um, there's the a cartoon, cartoon series, as well, and, and but before all of, all of that, uh, this was a comic book um, produced by Dark Horse Comics, which was probably arguably the most um, most famous, most successful independent um, comic book producer. Um, they also did uh, very good comic book sequels to both Aliens and Predator, um, and they had sort of quite quite. A good run of success you know doing spin-offs with those particular um i think they did the terminator as well didn't they um they may have done they may um um, that's not what they also did time cop that was one of their other famous Mm -hmm. uh, properties time cop yeah definitely so i mean i i must admit i i didn't read the mask as a comic but i get the impression from this that the property is a lot darker than what we saw in the Jim Carrey movie, which was obviously tailored to his talents, you know, the sort of, sort of more zany stuff. This, okay, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, the Rise of the Mask is a nice um, sort of prequel to the whole saga. So in this one, it's set back in Viking times. We have two Viking warriors 
who have been experimenting with the mask to sort of you know, ascertain its powers. Uh, and then once they've decided, yep, this this stuff's dangerous. We're going to lock it away in a in a um, in a crate and throw it into the ocean, until one of the brothers has a change of heart and decides maybe we can play with this ourselves, um, and chaos ensues. This is you know it's a, it's a more or less a two hander um, set on a sort of nice sort of tropical beach, and yeah, I I thought this works really well. Yeah, it's just a fight scene, sure, isn't it? Yeah. Basically, um, yeah. you don't really get a lot of background and and the story doesn't really go many places but yeah see what i think was the case is that this originally formed part of the whole film Mm -hmm. and they decided to split it off because it wasn't until uh i think a couple of months ago that they said oh surprise guys uh, you're actually going to get two mask films this year Mm -hmm. uh, because we've got this one coming out this so this was released uh, a month prior to the, the main feature. So this came out on October 31st and Revenge of the Mask came out on the 30th of November. And uh, so that sort of probably is a good jumping off point to start talking about Revenge of the Mask. Revenge of the Mask. Okay. So this is a longer film. It's um, 35 minutes, 35 minutes. Yeah. And you know, there, there are definitely overtones to what we know about Stanley Ipkiss and things like this, but this is a very much different take. Um, again, we have a guy who's a bit of a loser, um, not as lovable as, as uh, Jim Carrey, of course, and finds himself in a lot worse trouble because um, this guy's a gambler. He owes people lots of money, and they're not, um, they're not exactly shy about trying to get the money out of him and his poor wife who has no idea what's going on so you know then he gets in gets the mask and it kind carnage of ensues <laughs> carnage ensues is, is you know it's one of my catchphrases i guess but it kind of keeps the looney tune zaniness but it's like it's kind of like itchy and scratchy it has the looney tune zaniness but with the real life consequences. So, so you know, this isn't sort of some lovable rogue going around sort of playing pranks on people. You know, he's actively going out and killing people with lovable pranks. Um, so, yeah, this this has a quite a high body count, basically. Um, well, especially, sort of... I mean, when you get to the end of the movie and they're doing uh, sort of the uh, news reports and they're saying about what happened during the night, hmm. uh, the body count seems out of proportion for me to what I saw on screen. So who knows what else was going on, but it's just sort of the body count just seemed ridiculously high by the end of the movie. But um, how did you get on with it in terms of the way it was shot and the actors and special effects and things? Um, I I think the pacing of it was a bit off at times. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to hold, hold it to ransom too much for, you know the quality of the acting and things. This, this is an ambitious short for for sure, um, but I think they they managed to pull off what what they intended. Uh, you know the mask itself doesn't look particularly great at times. Um, you know sometimes it looks like a a blob on his face. You know, um, but you know I I think the spirit of it was was in the right place overall uh you know there's some nice bits like like when he gets stopped by by two police officers and the next thing you see is him driving their police car you know i thought that was a nice sort of edit. did you notice that was a shot copied from the dark knight um oh right That's... yeah i kind of see what you mean yeah 
But no, it's the bit where the, where, where the Joker is in the police car. And it's yeah, going through. It's, right, it's, yeah. They've just basically borrowed that shot. I mean, it's no homage, you know, it's not, they're not ripping it off. It's just, a, mm. it's just no homage that they've done. But um, yeah, so overall, I liked it. Um, mm. I, you know, I would watch more. I thought, you know, the, the story was, I thought the storytelling was actually quite good. Uh, I thought the film looked quite nice. Cinematography was decent. Uh, there are some very nicely composed shots in there. It is a bit let down by the visual effects and the, mar- and the mask. The, I mean, the mask, when you see it as a static thing, hmm. looks exactly the same as the one in the yeah, Jim Carrey movie. Originally. Uh, it's like, um, um, it's like a, an, a completely, uh, a, a, probably a, an imitation prop from, from that hmm. first movie, I guess. The, the first, that first film although they're moving away from it and going and seem to be going probably going back to the original comic source that jim carrey movie is still a big influence there's even yeah. a, a reprise of the music mm. from that film as well as the, the sort of scenes where he's you know uh where he's put the mask on and he's talking in the mirror and stuff and it's just sort of a bit it i, I kind doesn't, of yeah it doesn't I, really work I, I, I think it kind of could have gone yeah. a different it could have got kind of gone a different way with it not necessarily going for that but then again, maybe that's you know that's integral to the property. I don't know. But the so that that was that scene was a bit awkward for me, especially with the actor because he's not a no. He's not he, something he you would just, say would fit that kind of performance. He exactly. You know, he, yeah. Um, but anyway, the so overall, I would say I liked it. It was thirty-five minutes. I, I wasn't counting down the time, thinking, "Oh, this is really dragging." Now this this should have been about fifteen minutes long. I thought it was absolutely fine. Uh, and you know, if they make a, a a follow-up uh, i'll be uh, i'll be very pleased to see it absolutely okay so when we did our last um, review of short films literally as soon as we'd published um or, or no literally as, as soon as we'd recorded um that particular show but like hours later <laughs> like, yeah the same day or, or, or the next day um uncharted suddenly dropped and it was like, ah, why, why could this come out a day earlier? We could have covered it. Um, if you're not familiar, Uncharted is the runaway franchise success from um, PlayStation. Um, kind of the male version of Tomb Raider, I guess. Um, you know, this sort of role-playing action-adventure series where... Indiana Jones. It's, it is, yeah, it's, it's their version of Indiana Jones, just as Tomb Raider is a version of Indiana Jones, basically. Um, and there's been a lot of talk about, you know, whether or not somebody's going to try and adapt it for, you know, feature film. And this is certainly the step in the right direction. So they've managed to get none other than Nathan Fillion um, to play Nathan Dr- to Nathan Drake. Nathan Drake, yep. It's Nathan Drake. Right, okay, yeah, Nathan Drake. Um, you know the erstwhile uh, treasure hunter, uh, and also Stephen Lang to play his his um, his, his buddy. Can't remember his name. So this this just pl- plays really well. You know, you've got Nathan Fillion's, you know, his his charm, his his humour, um, you know, his his um, athletic skill, you know, his fighting ability, all all on display. And you know, they even sort of managed to take some of the game dynamics and sort of you know blend that in as well. And it's I I think if if anything, it's a brilliant calling card for someone to be knocking on Hollywood store saying, give me, you know, I don't know, a hundred million dollars and we can make this into a feature. 
Yeah, this was uh, from Canadian director uh, Alan. Un- I think his name's Alan Unger, uh, and like pa- passion project for for like in most other you know the fan films, it's passion project that was put together. You know, uh, Nathan Fillion I think really wanted to play the role, so he was up for it. They managed to get assemble a quite reasonable budget, uh, and it plays out quite nicely. It's a it's a strange one because unlike most uh, fan films, it it's more like a scene. Because there's no credits at the beginning or the end. It's got a disclaimer, but there are literally no credits, which, I, which I, or, you know, I, I like to have a film that's, uh, you know, introduces itself and, you know, sort of gives you time to sort of say farewell. It just kind of cuts off at the end, uh, this one. Uh, but the, you know, the cinematography is excellent. It's a nicely played introduction to the character for someone like me who doesn't play the games. Uh, the, you know, performance was really good. The script was sharp. The, the one one of the things I didn't notice the first time I saw it, and I'm surprised I didn't, uh, but the the way the aspect ratio changes uh, when the action kicks in, hmm. when he leaves the house, uh, which so it's it's all two point three five basically, and then he goes outside and he starts. Uh, I don't know if he starts shooting around, but he's he's got to get to the car basically, yeah. and it just opens up to fill the whole screen. Now, apparently, that's a, a that is a nod to the way things work in the video game. Yeah, so, so everything before is like a cutscene, basically, and then yeah, it's like a the, yeah. it's like the setup scene, and then yeah. you're in the gameplay, and then yeah. and then you're playing the character. So I think that's what they were going for. That's what I thought they were do, doing when I when I was thinking about it, and then I looked it up, and it, it seems that was the case. Um, if this was making me think of, do you remember on our one of our specials last year, we looked at the Far Cry. Prequel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is like a video game prequel movie, basically, but the video game doesn't exist, <laughs> or the movie doesn't exist. So yeah. it, this is kind of a, it's kind of setting up a whole, it's setting up an adventure that that it, you know we're not on yet. So we might get another, you know, might get another story that follows up on this. You know, there's a lot. It's a, they cover a lot of ground, like a lot of these shorts. They cover a lot in a very mm. short space of time. It's kind of introduced, and then there's a grand sort of mythology and stuff that they've got to explore and and uh, you know their fortune hunters and that so yeah um very very good film absolutely oh, um and ernie reyes jr is in it oh that's right yeah doing a doing a fight scene uh, el tigre a little bit a little bit <laughs> racist fight scene or not not necessarily racist but you know uh detrimental so, to short people mm, basically so, 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 <laughs> so i didn't know if you were allowed to do that sort of comedy about people's height anymore but uh, mm. they, they did the whole holding him back you know so yeah, see, they went there because he's short mm. and aged. yeah they went there so there you go but <laughs> but it's always nice to see him because i remember him from way back with teenage mutant ninja turtles and two and stuff indeed okay so rich this won't come as any surprise i'm sure that night shift is my favorite film of the um the eight that we're looking at no, I'm not surprised at all, actually, because it seems yeah. right up the street. Indeed, it does. Uh, so this is from Australia. Uh, features um, Adele Elasma as a guilt-ridden police officer um, who's just literally come back on duty after a shooting incident, uh, a hostage situation. Uh, she had to make a t- sort of tough decision on. Um, um, we also find out very quickly that um, she had a fling with her partner at some point and that her partner's a dirty little bastard, basically. And she gets roped into attending this meeting um, as her partner 
basically stiffs this um, sort of the local sort of mafia boss, um, and things rapidly go downhill for her and for everyone else in the room. Um, this is forty minutes long. Uh, I I would love to see this as a feature, um, not necessarily as relentless as this, but you know with a bit of polish. I, I think this would be really good you know this could be up there with the likes of the raid um with the likes of um prison break things like that this is really really smart for me um it is a bit too relentless with the fighting um you know they're trying to pack a lot in and in, in, into 40 minutes but i think there's a reasonable amount of story in there as well yeah i like the the uh, it was interesting that it was from because i wasn't sure where it was made first and then it was like ah and then it's Australia, which is novel in itself because, you know, can't sure. think of many martial arts action movies that have come out of Australia apart from like Day of the Panther or, or, or whatever. The, um, and the heroine herself is not a conventional heroine. You know, she's much more a sort of natural figured woman uh, than, you know, Mila Jovovich or, or whatever. Mm. And uh, she, she, you know, she impresses. She still holds her own uh, much more, you know, than you think. She, she's basically... Uh, this is basically the raid uh, done in, in Australia, uh, essentially. So she's stuck and she's got to fight her way through the building to get out because after the uh, after all the you know the bad situation mm-hmm. goes down with her uh, with her partner. Yeah, uh, the partner's have... called Tony Raphael, and and it turns out he's been gambling. Now, now that the the bad guy in this um, is character called joe and she she's introduced really well i think because when when he goes into the room you, you see this couple dancing and you know you, automatically i think mo- most people are going to go oh it's the guy and she she's like the uh, the eye candy the, you know the, the the um the arm dressing sort of thing yeah. and then it turns out to be the other way around you know she, she she's the the head honcho and he's the the um the bit of arm candies sort of helping her dance Exactly, so, and, and and that particular scene is is brilliant. You know where this guy, you know, he's essentially brought his partner along to back him up. So, you know, so they won't try anything on him, but he doesn't give her any bloody warning no. or anything. He's, he's you know he's screws a her over. shit face. He screws her over, but um yeah, but that is scene is great. You know, with the fact that she's sort of going, you've disrespected me twice now and all this, and then he just can't shut up. <laughs> he gets himself even in worse problems. Yeah, he just digs the hole bigger, doesn't he? He just digs the hole bigger. Just like, uh, walk away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, if he just kept his mouth shut, he might have got out of there in one piece. But, um, you that thing you're saying about the switcheroo on the the expectations thing, I, I felt exactly the same. Uh, we've seen it a few times. I always think of, there was an Olivia Gruner film from mm. 1996 called, uh, I think it was Savage. And they do the same thing, that, although it's introduced in a sex scene. So there's a, there's a sex scene ha- happening with these two characters. And the, like the phone's ringing, oh, it's the, you know, it's the boss, and when they, they've got to get on mm. with the business and that, you think it's going to be the guy pushing the girl off, and it's like, no, no, it's her. She's she's taking her off, and uh, no, which was really, you know, not, you know, still sexist and stuff, but um, it wasn't con- a conventional thing that was done uh, very often. So I'm I'm always quite, I always like seeing that kind of trick being played on us, uh, and it's yeah. interesting that, you know, it's still such a male-dominated genre that it is a trick that works. Uh, yeah. and and she's really good she's she's, she's a yeah. i mean there's lots of characters like hers i think jada pinkett smith in in the gotham series and stuff she's mm. quite um uh, uh sort of a nasty piece of work but you know 
uh, sort of has that sort of gentle look about her, but she's not at all. <laughs> uh, she's yeah. like real, you know, real nasty. And Goldstone, I think recently, do you remember? Yeah, that, that, character, was, yeah, that character in Goldstone. Yeah. She she was really good. Very a very different take on that same kind of thing, though. Uh, also from Australia. So sure, they do they do some really really interesting here as well. I mean, there's a you know it's one of the sort of staples of sort of martial arts movies or action movies that. We, you know we don't sort of talk about enough i mean we know that for example one of my favorites is the old fight in an elevator we don't have that here or fight in the kitchen this is probably one of my second ones but what we do have is the the classic introduction of the head henchman um in this case play a character called apples who oh yeah apples yeah at first you know, you're not sure who she is. She's just like, she, just this person in the corner. You think, oh, maybe, you know, because you're not sure what sort of room it is. Is it like an opium den or whatever? If there's people just hanging around in this room. And she's just there in the in the corner with her feet up, eating an apple. Well, and, I was just and, getting a go-go Yubari vibe straight Yeah, away. exactly. So so there's no, you know, she's not paying attention to what's going on or anything. Eventually, she's, you know, sort of her interest sort of perks up a bit. But again, even then, she just sits there and, you know, and she... It's not until later on, obviously, that she gets involved, um, which, which is Even great. You know, she's got like a kind of a game of death kind of outfit. She has got that sort of... Well, it's like a crop top kind of thing. But. Yeah, yeah, nice little sort of change. And then, you know, the fact that she's wiped the blood on on the front of it and things, you know... Um, so, so that was that was really cool. I thought, really but they're all named after the things that they eat. So there's the other exactly, guy, exactly, yeah, noodles because he yeah. eats noodles. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and he has like loads of pot noodles lying around his office. You know, his his, his, his room. Um, yeah, I mean, so the the fights are plentiful. They're nasty. They are, you know, one one of the things they do show is just how exhausting it is to fight for so long. You know, I mean, this poor woman, you know, she's in these fights with up like two, three guys, and then having to run up flights of stairs. And at the top of it, you think, you know, she really does look like she's about to puke up. You know, I just because she's just pushing her body to the limit. Um, you know, not everything works, unfortunately. Um, for example, with the fights, you know, so I think now and again they they skip a, um, a sound sound effect, and you know, some of the there's, there's sometimes a little bit too much air between the punch, you know, the the punch and the impact. But overall, you know, the fight choreography I thought was really, really well done. You know, um, it, it's just this; it has that sort of Jackie Chan element of like. I'm just going to keep fighting and fighting and fighting until I win. You know, um, there's something about that to it. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's one bit where she picks up a really nasty injury or it should have been a really, really nasty injury. And it looks at, you know, when, when you first see it, oh my God, no. Um, but then it hardly bleeds for the rest of the film. You know, I mean, it's just like, it sort of self-coagulates in, in, in seconds, um, which is a shame. But then... You know, like um, the film um, The Night Comes for Us, it, the, if it hadn't, you know, the, the whole scene would have been just a wash of blood. But, you know, it kind of everything, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I thought it took, a, it took a bit too long at the start to get going. Hmm. Uh, and all the sort of, because she's back on the force after a traumatic incident and, hmm. and that, and, and the trauma that she's carrying with her over that. Uh, she's not in a good place and basically she's back and now she's in an even worse place. So she yeah. started off in a bad situation and now she's in an even worse situation. So she's had a really bad day. 
but I don't think they needed to necessarily have so much of that, at the, at the, you know, so much of that haunted kind of yeah. stuff going on. But, um, one, you know, so once it found its way and, and it, you know, the actions was really kicking in and I knew what I was, you know, I knew what was going on then. Mm, uh, uh, yeah. I was, I was, I was quite impressed. I, I would, um, you know, I'd rate her performance up there with the woman from Cold Hell, um, the, the really, really good sort of uh, Austrian film. Um, yeah, I, I really liked her in this. Um, and that final scene as well, uh, when, when she gets back in the car, you know, I mean, again, it, it's something you don't see, you know, because everyone's always so bloody stoic and, you know, sort of, oh, yeah, I'm just going to push all my emotions down until, until they don't bother me anymore because I'm the hero, you know. But but I thought that was a really sort of cathartic moment yeah, um, just right at the end, yeah. So, yeah, I, I definitely this this was my favourite film of, of um, the ones we've looked at. And that's not to say that, you know, I, I don't have, um, that, you know, some of them I thought were very good. Uncharted, um, The Dollmaker, 716, um, all really did it. So, yeah, it was a good selection. Um, so on with the next one, I guess. Yeah, for me, The Dollmaker was the standout and i really like the 716 as well before mm. we wrap up uh i i did watch a lot of stuff uh, uh for this uh so yeah. i just want to mention a few that didn't make the cut just so uh, just essentially well i want to i want to warn you basically if you come across any of them the one i really want to turn you against is called zombie road it's got a really good poster but it's mm. terrible uh <laughs> it, it's just really badly paced that it's it's quite i think it's quite pretentious it's sort of it, it doesn't it it sort of seems a bit arty and stuff and the, you get uh, this whole sort of drawn out first scene where nothing really happens and then it's like a dream and, and the character wakes up again and and then you have to sit through it all again this is a, a zombie kind of attack kind of thing so it's all set around this caravan and stuff uh, and then there's like this really long dancing scene sequence uh, and it's just like a music video the, you know uh, it's just and then it sort of eventually, you know, gets going. So that was really disappointing. So the poster is really good. If you look it up, um, that's worth it. There was another one. I think it was called Special Intelligence, which had a couple of reasonable. These are all films that I think were released quite recently. Uh, Special Intelligence got a couple of couple of nicely choreographed fight scenes. Uh, it's about 20 minutes or so long, but just the rest of it's just not really that engaging at all. Uh, not very good. Uh, another one called Eye for Eye. Uh, revenge film, bit forgettable. Uh, the Powerpuff Girls: The Long Way Back is interesting. This is another f- fan film, but it's a, a live action take on on the uh, the Powerpuff Girls yeah. uh, as grown ups. Uh, it's a bit silly, you know. There's, you know, it's, a, it's always going to be a bit dodgy trying to put a cartoon into a, a real life situation. But they've gone a bit. They've got. They've tried to do the dark thing. Uh, mm. And uh, you know, give them sort of. You mean kind of like um, the Power Rangers one? Power Rangers is sort of the, the high standard, I think. Yeah. Uh, this, the, uh, this, and funnily enough, this was put out, uh, not made by, but was released through the guy who uh, Adi Shankar, who who made uh, Power Rangers. So mm. he supported this one uh, because it's kind of doing the same thing that he does with his uh, his fan films. Uh, this isn't up to the same standard at all. It's got again, it's, it's sort of got some couple of nice uh, action moments and stuff. I think fans of the show will probably 
get a lot out of it. Hmm. Uh, I, I wasn't a fan, so for me, it was, yeah, well, you know, go, I yeah. didn't have anything invested in it. I mean, but I didn't have anything invested in Power Rangers. I just thought that was a right. tremendous, tremendous piece of work. Really, really good film. Uh, so just wanted to mention those, really. Say, the Zombie Road is the one to really steer clear of, though, because uh, that's just shockingly bad. Cool. All right, so that is our um, short film roundup for the time being in the new year. We'll definitely be doing another one of these because uh, they're fun and uh, we, we, we like sort of promoting good shorts. So, so there you go. Anyway, let's uh, crack on with something else. It's time for the last part of the show. So it's over to Rich with the washing up. Well, we don't. We're doing something a little bit different this week because there's not really there's no, no, no real D, uh, DVDs or Blu-rays out uh, to talk about. So we're going to focus on some VOD releases, um, mm. uh, and there's uh, some doozies really. Uh, I'm going to start off with The Unthinkable, which is a I yeah. think it's uh, Swedish or, uh, sort of yes, some Nordic yeah, yeah. Uh, in in some description. Sort of a, a well, it's I watched the trailer and I wasn't quite sure whether it was a terrorist attack or something more. But looks looks excellent. It does look very good. Shot for two million dollars, apparently, or two million Swedish kroner, or um, but, it, Swedish. but yeah, but it looks um, pretty amazing for 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 that sort of money. Um, you're right; it doesn't sort of spell out what has happened. Some sort of catastrophe has happened to to Sweden. You know, this it's thing it says we never thought it would happen to us. Mm. So you know, it could be that sort of Sweden has been turned into a war zone. It could be aliens. Who who knows? It's been very coy as to what's really going on. Um, but against this backdrop, you have a, a guy trying to s- sort of find his wife. Um, yeah, I, I think this looks amazing. Um, can't wait to see it. I'm, I'd be I'd be keen to to rent it, but as I've I've discovered uh, in the in the last couple of weeks, if if it's out for rent, just wait a few weeks. It might be free. It might, it might be like, up like on, on a subscription. Yeah. It might be on Netflix or it might be on uh, Prime Video. So, uh, as as keen as I am to see it, I'm holding off just a bit longer. Sure. Uh, moving on to well, uh, if uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to mention the Trump prophecy. Of course, which, you. Uh, which uh, to me is like the most DTV movie of the year. Uh, and uh, well, uh, I mean, the title sort of says it all to one extent, but yes, they did make a film. It's American. Can you believe it? Uh, they did make a film called the Trump prophecy. Now, if I was thinking of a film called the Trump prophecy, I would think uh, Doomsday. Trump being, Doomsday. Doomsday. Yeah. Trump has been, Oh no, the, the, the bringer of, you know, doom and that sort of thing but no no this is a let's be thankful that uh that we got trump elected movie from the uh christian filmmaking uh community uh so basically a a guy a fireman uh, he uh said he had a vision uh, or a prophecy that trump would become president so then he got involved with this uh doctor uh and uh and then the doctor's wife got got involved and she started this prayer campaign. She was like spearheading everyone she knew to pray for Trump to become the president of the United States. And when Trump did become the president of the United States, they said, it's because we prayed. <laughs> and I was thinking, that's what you prayed for? Oh, <laughs> I just thought, I cannot believe, you know, this, to me, that almost sums up, you know, everything that's wrong with uh American culture really and sort of really sort of well uh, I, it's beyond words anyway 
Uh, aside from that, uh, what's what's notable about it? Well, it was quite distracting because the main character has a voice that sounded. Now, I think it's I think it's Stephen Baldwin. And I was thinking he sounds exactly like another actor, and I was just watching it all the way through, going, "Who does he sound like?" And I was closing. My eyes. I was like, who is it? And then it was like, is it, it's Alec Baldwin, which I thought would be funny because Alec Baldwin does a parody of true Trump. Um, but then I was like, no, I think it's, I think it's Stephen Baldwin, unless it's someone else that I just can't think of, but it's like really weird. His voice almost doesn't fit his face. It's really quite funny. Um, it's, you know, and it's got these really, uh, um, overly supernaturalized scenes of like this guy who's this uh, prophet, real life firefighter character about him getting basically attacked by demons they've sort of really sort of thrown that in there so he actually has encounters with with demons and stuff so there's there's not a lot of it but that's in there and then there's this big big thing about a giant orb coming out of his bed which i guess is supposed to be god or something yeah so uh and then so the film's about an hour and 50 minutes long and i'm like oh it, it feels like it's coming to the end uh, and it's 80 minutes and there's like no that is the end and then there was like a music video thing about people with people polling up uh, portraits of of their relatives who were in the military and stuff and, was, and i'm presuming like they've passed away and uh, um, given their lives to their country and stuff and i was like okay what's what's happening here because there's there's a half an hour left on the running time and then it turns into a talking heads thing with loads of people talking about you know and i was just completely zoning out whatever the hell they were talking about it was like um you know how great america is and how america's leading the way and america needs strong leadership and all this sort of stuff and i was like you've got to be kidding me <laughs> <laughs> and uh and uh you uh mentioned to me uh that this was mentioned on the uh, IMDb, yeah. IMDb thing but you know for, for someone like me who has sort of stayed away from you know well, i didn't i didn't even know this film existed until a couple of weeks ago uh so i sort of, sort of stayed away from anything because i didn't want to spoil the experience hmm. uh, and most people are probably not going to look up that anyway who's going to put who's going to put the time in i guess to to, to explore that it's just to, to sort of sort of to, be just sideswiped with that i was just uh, i'm not sure if I've, i'm sure have i've have seen something like that before but i was just like what on earth is going on here <laughs> who, who, like, who, they really should have ended yeah. it this is bonus this is bonus feature footage you know play, yeah. after the yeah. credits maybe or something you know stick around after the credits for this or something and then you know so yeah that was so if anybody does watch it for a laugh Stop after 80 minutes, you know, don't because the rest is just waffle. So, I think this was originally made for a what was sort of the Christian channel or something along those sort of lines. Well, no, uh, it was a cinema uh, release, it was made for cinema release. Oh, uh, no, seriously, yeah, they it actually, was in theaters, yeah. Holy crap, yeah, I mean, oh, oh my god, I mean, I think it had a limited engagement, but it was it was yeah. quite big, it was put through by um, there's a uh, there's a Christian university called uh, Liberty University, and they've got a film school part. Mm. And basically, they involved the film school in the making of the film, so it's sort of attached to to them. And a lot of the students really aren't on Trump's side. Didn't really like sort of being strong armed into actually making this film, uh, promoting <laughs> and sort of being proud about you know Trump mm, being right. president and yeah. and 
and they're being involved with it. And uh, so that's quite interesting. Uh, but the other thing was that this is the same university that made another film that I watched this week called Saving Christmas, which mm. I didn't know when I, when I watched Saving Christmas, I didn't know that they were associated with. It's just, again, it's just a coincidence, but that's just mad as well. <laughs> that's, that's what that was. My, that was with Kirk Cameron from the right. campaigns. Yeah. And that was made like 2014 by, um, just as a side, an aside, um, the director was a guy called Darren Doan, and he made a, a Gary Daniels movie called Black Friday, uh, right. way way back, uh, which I remember um, being very disappointed by, uh, and having it having a cover that was completely, you know, not anything to do with the movie and stuff. But anyway, sure. this Darren Doan guy is like the lead in this Saving Christmas thing as well. He didn't look like I thought he was going to win, but anyway, so these these this this Liberty University, these, the, the filmmakers, whatever. They are the worst example of, of Christian Jesus. film, uh, you know, making out there. I mean, this, this stuff makes God, the God's not dead stuff look, you know, mainstream, you know, acceptable kind of stuff. You know, so anyway, so that's I, I, I can see, yeah, I, I did watch the trailer of this, and oh <laughs> God, no. How was the trailer? Because I didn't see it. I didn't. I haven't watched it. What the, trailer, it the trailer tells you, like you know, he gets some footage of the, the fireman at work. You know, he quits his job. Um, you know, it's a sort of crisis of faith. Or, you know, he's having dreams or whatever. And then, yeah, it, it, there's nothing there. You know, really. I mean, once they sort of start this prayer, maybe, what's you know, where's the drama really? It's very so, thin. It takes a really long time to get going. Uh, it it opens with like a tragic fire you know scene yeah. rescue it made me think of uh, John claude van damme in sudden death and the, the the thing is there's a couple of funny things the opening titles tell you the title twice so the title comes up and i was thinking oh that's really weird because the, the font's like quite small and you know it's not very you know in your face yeah. And then they kind of make up for that a few minutes later by having a Trump prophecy come up on screen. I was like, ah, see, that's what I had in mind. I was like, but why did they do it twice? And well, they probably, probably did it the first time. I think it's because they thought the audience was idiots because there's another, they, keep, they, they go out of their way to make it really clear who the lead character is. So well, everything have an arrow got, on the screen or something. Well, he no, everything's got his name on it. Right. So he drops he drops his Bible and his Bible's got his name. Oh, I see, yeah, that's in the trailer, yeah. Jesus. And then he's 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 got his um, firefighter's uniform on and that's got his name on. So they, they they sort of zoom in on that. So we know it's not any other firefighter. We know it's him. And when he goes to put his you know put his gear back, you know his name's there, which is all probably fair enough. It probably is like that. <laughs> But it just seems like it's, you know, big signposting. This is the guy. <laughs> Don't look at anybody else. Focus yeah. on him. You know, th know this name. Remember this name. Alternatively, I can imagine somebody walking in, you know, see, seeing the, the, the font they use. And, no, 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 make it bigger. So somebody's gone away and sort of, you know, had to shoot an extra bit or, or thing and then just forgot to take the other bit out. <laughs> yeah it could be oh man it's uh it, it is quite uh quite mm. something yeah that's uh that's going to be turning up in uh in the, i think uh in our awards as, as probably one of the worst films of the year <laughs> if not right. the worst well it, well in order to do that surely i have to see it uh, uh only if you can bear it my friend <laughs> i don't know if anyway, not i'm sure we've got other candidates sure. and what's next uh, up next is uh, one you've seen. Uh, that's the domestics. 
I love this film. This is, this is certainly one of my favourite films of the year. Um, so in this one, we've got Kate Beckinsale. Um, Kate, and... Kate Bosworth. Sorry, Kate Bosworth. Um, you know what I meant. And, yeah. and Tyler Hoechlin. Um, so this is set in a sort of post-apocalyptic landscape where um, something happens right at the beginning of the film. These, the, you see these huge bombers going overhead, dropping this sort of plumes of black, God knows what. Um, and, you know, half the populace ends up getting killed as a result. And society degrades down into these gangs. So you've got these sort of, sort of gangs, you know, you've got one which is like gamblers. You've got one which... Um, Call themselves, I think they call themselves ghosts. You sort of wear white sheets over their faces. Um, there's also a gang of lesbians called the Cherries. You know, uh, there's cannibals and this sort of thing going on. And it's about this basic. Then you've got the domestics who live in sort of like um, gated communities, you know, sort of trying to live normal domestic lives, basically. You know, no killing and all the rest of it. Um, but Kate Bosworth's character wants to find her parents who live in another community sort of further north. So they have to make this sort of very dangerous road trip. Um, And, you know, they encounter various gangs along the way. Um, Some good guys, some bad guys sort of thing. The action is really well done. Um, You know, quite quite bloody at times. And, you know, the, the sort of relationships are done really well as well because, you know, this couple are sort of like their marriage is very, very tenuous. It's, you know, it's very much on the rocks at the beginning. And it's kind of, you know, part of the film is about him trying to sort of bridge their relationship, you know, sort of um, be there for her and all the rest of it. I just thought it was really, really well done. Loved it. Excellent. I'm, I'm very keen to see it. It sounds similar to a few other things we've come across mm-hmm. recently. Definitely. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the one I think of, immediately was uh, and i think we probably talked about it at the time was when we watched concrete which was mm-hmm. kind of the um uh, warriors-ish kind of one i guess where they're sort of battling their way across town and and encountering various gangs with novelty themes yeah but th- th- this doesn't feel as episodic as that at all no no yeah. i mean this is this is yeah. a different kettle of fish this you know this is a high quality polished production uh, and you know good good stars i mean i'm not familiar with the tyler guy although i've probably no. seen him in some but um kate bosworth's a funny one so she sometimes she turns up in really you know dubious stuff and other times she's really good um i liked her in the and i think it's a film i probably mentioned again uh, relatively recently uh the jason statham one where he's uh with james franco as the villain oh um Rick home, Stallone. Home, 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 home front home front yeah home front or home 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 something or anyway yeah uh I think it was something like Homefront. And uh, I liked her in that. She was like a, well, she was the reason it all went, was going wrong for Statham, basically. She's, she's just like a nasty piece of work, a uh, drug addict and, and stuff, and gets a grudge against him and basically gets a, turns her brother on him and stuff. She was really good in that. Um, you know, other stuff, she's, you know, the higher profile stuff like um, Superman Returns. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. she didn't, she, people didn't really like her. She didn't really, people didn't really take to her. But, you know she's she's done some interesting roles, and if this is sort of a bit more dark and gritty, then um, you know I'm quite keen to see how she handles it. Absolutely, um, yeah. No, I, I I definitely recommend it. I think it's worth seeing. 
All right, on to the next one, which is one I've seen. Uh, uh, it's called Tanks for Stalin. It's mm. a Russian release uh, from the director of what is uh, was originally called Panf Panflov's 28. It was released over here uh, on DVD, and, and uh, I'm not sure if it's Blu-ray, but it came out on DVD as Battle for Moscow. Yeah. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm really curious about this because... You know, trying to do some research on it, um, uh, I, I couldn't find an English subtitled or language trailer. Um, I think the original title was Tanky. Or Tanky, yeah. Um, so I think it's it, tanks, it, basically. Yeah, it looks great, but I've no idea what the story is. Well, it's it, um, it, it's quite um, simplistic, really. I mean, Battle ba 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 for Moscow was really in the trenches, kind of war stuff and mm. and this is much more light-hearted this they're basically developing a, a tank that they think is going to help them with the war uh, but they've got to get it to a parade to show off to stalin so he'll sign off on the productions and and, and the problem they've got is they're on the other side of russia uh, they've got no way of conveniently transporting it uh, so one of the guys uh, the, the manufacturer or, or whatever uh, he says well we'll drive them cross country. So it's a road movie. It's a cross country road <laughs> movie uh, where there's a couple of tanks dr uh, driving across the country hmm. and, you know, people trying to stop them basically. So you get the Nazis trying to, trying to stop them and, and uh, uh, lawless ones in the, in the, uh, hmm. in the badlands of, uh, of Russia, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, take their stuff off them uh, for their own uh, benefits. Uh, you know, running afoul of various people, really, and trying to uh, trying to beat the clock and get get there on time to for uh, for Uncle Stalin to to check them out, and that, that's it, really. We've seen, it's a plot we've seen a lot of times, and I think it was I think it worked really really well. It, it's, it sounds good really good. I mean, it, it does look great. Um, uh, as I said, I saw the trailer. I couldn't work out what was happening. You know, the guy who the guys in the tank were. You know, I wasn't sure if they're on the way to assassinate Stalin, or <laughs> you know, or if they've stolen the tanks, or you know, what exactly what was happening there. Um, but yeah, that that makes sense. Uh, you know, yeah, they're trying um, to protect their their tanks and 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 get them to there. And they're so, oh, are they going to make it? Are they going to? Oh no, they're so, Oh no, if they, if they lose the fuel or whatever, they're not going to get there in time. And mm -hmm. you know. Various yeah, problems, obstacles, things. Yeah. yeah, various obstacles. It's almost Cannibal Run or something. Yeah. You know, it's, it's it's not, but you know what I'm saying. Sure. It's it's worth seeing. It's it's all right. It's not bad. It's yeah. it's light enough as a you know. It's not a war film. It's it's sort of a, a sort of more of a light-hearted kind of uh, adventure. Yeah, and it's definitely a candidate for something to turn up on streaming on a streaming service soon. Well, yeah, this was say this is on Prime. All oh, right, it's already on Prime. Yeah, and it's uh, the what was I going to say? The, um, oh, forgotten now. But yeah, it's on Prime. <laughs> cool. Next. Next, right? <laughs> last on the list. No, no, sorry, not I've last. Two more. Got two more. Two more. Uh, the next one. Now, I think it was originally called Atomic Eden. That's correct. But it's just turned up on uh, various VOD services as Nazi Doomsday Device. Rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Oh, it sure does. That's gonna that's gonna sort of get get people buying this off the shelves, isn't it? But I tell you, um, I tell you what sort of gets me interested is that name, Fred Williamson. Really? Because it's the next name that gets me interested. And that's Mike Muller. Um, he's a German martial artist who starred in a really cool film called um, One Million Clicks. 
which is a sort of German martial arts movie. Thought was really really good. Um, so this is you know it's quite low budget, but it, at the same time. It's pretty action-packed by the looks of things. I was wondering about the whole Nazi thing, because this is a modern-day film set in Chernobyl. Yes. And I'm thinking, where's the Nazi thing? And then you get one tiny scene sort of showing a bit of Nazi regalia sort of hanging on the wall, um, and, and then that's it. So, you know, how tenuously linked it is to the Second World War, to the Third Reich, or anything like that. Yeah. God knows, um, but yeah, well, I'd, I'd certainly the, be interested. Yeah, I think the um, the film that it made me think of when I was watching the trailer was uh, that the Lewis Mandalore one that hasn't come out yet, the Battle Battle Drone. Battle Drone, yeah, because that was meant to be coming out on Netflix very soon. Is it? Yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's got a similar kind of setting and setup, hasn't it? The um, the, the sort well, of in, special in that, forces people. Yeah, in that the set in Chernobyl, but um, the Lewis Mandalore one is. You know, head and shoulders above this in terms yeah, of well, I'm sure um, is. production values and, and, and everything. But um, but this one, yeah. it it does. The trailer has like long character introductions, which are, oh, which God, are quite. Yeah. But when yeah. they said uh, Fred Williamson's character is a walking charge of TNT, <laughs> that was mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, and he he looks really cool. Um, you'll bear in mind uh, now he's 80 now. Yeah. And and I think this was made a couple of years ago. Uh, but I think it was made around 2015, from what I can tell. But still, you know, this is a guy well into his senior year, and he yeah, still looks he's brilliant. Still kicking ass, still looking good. Yeah, yeah he turned out that um, film with uh, Robert Parham recently as well. Which yeah. the name escapes me. Jackson unfortunately. something. Jackson. Jack Jackson Bolt. That's it. Uh, Jackson yeah. Bolt. Yeah. So so he, yeah he, yeah he's still still doing it. Um, but yeah, Ralph, Ralph Muller looks really good in this. Um, he has a decent sort of bit Mike, of action. Mike, did I call him Ralph? Uh, we love ralph too we do but, love uh, ralph too yeah but i should know better um yes mike muller um looks really good at this. he was also in that one with um mark de cascos um another, with mike leader as well i can't remember what it's called now it's not yeah. ultimate justice is it yeah it could be yeah. ah see that's probably worth mentioning because that's just turned up on prime as well all right because yeah. that's on my watch list now i'm going to try and check that out so yeah, yeah ultimate justice is out as well so mm-hmm. um Mark Cascos fans can check that out. Um, the so the other thing uh, about this one is the uh, no, sorry, you have to, you have to <laughs> cut me there. You have to cut me there. Sure, <laughs> Can't think no of problem. Uh, so yeah, you got cut back in now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the final one we're going to look at is Blood Brother. Um, now this is another. WWE production um, starring Ron Killing, also known as what was it R Truth, I believe is is his um, is wrestling name. Yeah. So so this featuring is, him. I'm not sure how much feature, he's in yes, it. Yes, you're right. Featuring him is he's, he's not actually either of the main two characters. Um, this is about a gang of kids or teenagers who um, you know undertake a robbery. One of them ends up going to prison. Um, when he comes out. Uh, he he blames his his other his older friends for you know his incarceration for not helping him out and things like this, and he sort of starts this sort of waging a sort of war of revenge against them. Um, in particular, um, his his old best friend who's now a police officer. Have you seen the trailer for this yet? I have indeed, and uh, yeah, it's the old 
two friends, two old friends on, you know, one on each side of the law kind of story. Mm. You know, you've said quite a lot. I tell you, this film does not interest me at all. <laughs> so really? just nothing engaged with that right. at all. I, I actually disagree with you. I, I, I like the trailer for this. Oh, um, and again, you know, it's it's not particularly original, but I I think production wise it looks very good. I like the way it's shot. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to put this on my watch list um, for the next week. Yeah, I think that, and that's about all we can say about. I think it. about all we can say. Um, a passing mention for uh, a film called King Cohen, which is a documentary mm-hmm. about Larry Cohen. That's going to be turning up on Shudder. Uh, very soon okay so very much looking forward to checking that one out that's that's another case of a film that's been out on uh you know uh, Mm. single uh, you know rental service rentals uh, for a a few weeks now and uh i'm glad i've held off because uh yeah looks like we'll be seeing (laughs) on shutter so on the proper shutter on the proper shutter which i was actually going to cancel but the, uh, but then because obviously I didn't mean to take it out for uh, on on this uh, subscription thing, but they 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 offered me a free month, so uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'll be able to watch King Cohen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's the end of the show. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, check out all the shorts. We're going to put them all in the footnotes. Um, even a link for the seven one six. Um, so you can go find it on Prime quite easily. Uh, it's, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, and I think we've got one more show before the end of the year, Rich. We're going to have our Christmas the Christmas special. one. Yes, yeah, we're going to have a look at a whole bunch of the the recent Christmas releases. We've been, we're uh, we've been sort of turned off a couple of them, so we're not going to be looking at every single one of them. Uh, but there's probably going to be a what three or four, Mike. Think? I think so, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so, so very much like last year when we did things like uh, Once Upon a Time at Christmas, um, we're going to be covering a few of these. Um, so stay tuned and uh, look for that episode very shortly. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening and goodbye. Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.